Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. Hosted by Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to episode 159. Uh, This is Good Guys Talk Back, and this is a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. I am Nick Morowski. You can find it everywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, Thank you so much uh, for letting us steal some of your time to talk White Sox. We've got a great episode for you. Uh, James Fox is going to join us in just a little bit to talk pitching, to talk prospects, uh, all all other kind of White Sox stuff. Um, but first, uh, my co-host, uh, Pat Hester. Hello, sir. Nick, I'm excited to talk to James Fox. I know you are because we're mm-hmm. going to talk a lot of pitching today. So I know you've got the air conditioner cranked up in your house because they're going to be all hot and bothered. you got many towels on your side ready to wipe yourself down. This is your, your wheelhouse. You've been looking forward to this like it's Christmas Day. Yeah, not not just regular towels. I'm talking about those like beach towels, those giveaways oh, yeah. that the those stadium giveaways. Um, I've got the windows open. Uh, you know me, Pat. Uh, I love talking pitching. And uh, James Fox from Future Sox from Southside Sox wrote a great uh, article recently about. Uh, really the need of pitching, you know, a lot of people talking a uh, second base and right field understandably, but, uh, Pat and I, uh, Pat, you and I have talked a lot about, uh, holes in not only bullpen, but starting pitching, where are some of these innings coming from, especially when Rodon, uh, moves on. Uh, so he wrote it recently. You can find it on Southside Sox. Uh, James Fox, welcome back, sir. What's up guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, uh, low hanging fruit, uh, right field, second base, but I understand that those are holes that the socks need to address. Um, let's take you back a little bit. I want to get into the article, but in the off season, right when free agency started, was there a, a starting pitcher that you thought the socks might've missed out on? I mean, I did. So I wasn't totally sure like how much, they were willing to spend, but then I think you see like some of the pitching deals and you figure like, Oh, they could have afforded that. Like the Gaussman deal wasn't bad. The, uh, who, who went to Seattle, Robbie Ray. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's like draft pick compensation there, but at this point, you know, who really, I mean, that's like five at one fifteen. I mean, you're trying to win a world series. You should be able to do that. So I yeah. guess what that tells me is they just like probably weren't in the market for like a pitcher of that caliber. Um, right now, which I mean, you know, my point would be like, they better spend on something else then like they better spend on offense. And, you know, I do think there are moves to make where they can upgrade and I like parts of their rotation, but you know, as we're going to talk about, like I, they, they can't be done. So, you know, pitching did fly off the board. I don't know how much they thought like, Oh, maybe we'll just like wait and do it after. But I mean, like those starting pitchers are gone. Other than yeah. Rodon, obviously. Yeah. Uh, let me follow up with, uh, you know, what I guess what motivated you then to to write this? Uh, because, again, a lot of people talk in position players and bats. What made you really feel like, you know what, there, there are holes, especially in starting pitching. I, you know, I got to I got to flesh this out. Well, so I think like people are forgetting about Carlos Rodon. I think like. You know, they were the best pitching team in the American League. They might have been the best pitching team, like, overall. Like, just with most of your advanced metrics, the strikeout numbers were good. The F-war was super high. But, I mean, like, most of that's 
Carlos Rodon. Like you take him out of the rotation and it's definitely not as good. Like Dylan Cease was a lot better than I expected. He was a lot better than I think even some people like think he was before digging into the numbers, you know, and then you got Giolito and Lynn. I guess my issue is like, you know, if you let Carlos Rodon walk, I like Michael Kopech as much as ever anybody. I've been on your show multiple times. We've talked mm-hmm. about Michael Kopech. I think he's going to be awesome. But, I mean, how many innings are we talking about? Like 140 maybe tops? Like, so, I, I mean, you need more innings than that from somebody. And then your fifth starter is Dallas Keuchel. I just, I don't think World Series contenders, and I think the three of us believe the White Sox are that and should be that, should be relying on Michael Kopech and Dallas Keuchel as two-fifths of your starting rotation right now. It's like nuts to me that this isn't like more of a thing. And look, maybe it will be once they get ramped up and people start paying more attention, it might be like, oh yeah, they need they need more pitching depth than Ronaldo Lopez and Jimmy Lambert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's, let's stay on Rodon because it seems to me like you still are like have the window or the door is slightly open for him to come back, even though there's not a qualifying offer that was made to him. So I I guess I know where you're going to go with this, but I'll ask it anyway. You have to make a bet in Vegas on who's more likely to be here in a Sox uniform at the start of the year. Is it Carlos Rodon or is it Craig Kimbrell? Ooh, probably Rodon. I don't think there's any chance Kimbrell's back. Um, I'd probably bet on neither of them being back, honestly. Like, I just, there's something weird with the Rodon thing. Because to me, the qualifying offer is a no-brainer. Especially for a team that's kind of acting like a big market club right now. I mean, that payroll's high. You mm-hmm. know, and I'll, I'm the first one in line for Jerry Reinsdorf being cheap jokes. But, I mean, this is going to be like their their record high payroll. So, you know, I thought you'd just offer Rodon the QO. Um, you get a second round pick for him when he signs elsewhere. And if not, then you're paying him 18 million on a one-year deal, which I think is worth it. I mean, especially with what he did last year. So there has to be something that they know. They were deathly afraid of him taking that one-year deal. I think that's stupid, but you know, like there, there's a reason why they did not offer that contract to him. And I guess, you know, We'll see. Like, I'm going to be curious to see what type of money he gets. I mean, I'm sure Boris will get him paid, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's like one and an option or two somewhere. And obviously, like, I would be super excited if that was here. So, you know, you yeah. do have, you do have, you know, Kopech to back him up and you got Dallas Keigel sitting around. So, yes, Rodan coming back here would be fantastic. I just, I don't know. I just kind of feel like it would have been done if like it was going to get done. I'm with yeah. you. I think something fishy's going on. Um, so you, he he had a little over 130 innings, which could be coming off the book. So let's let's talk. Uh, Keiko 162 innings. I I don't know if you're going to see that from him. Lynn 157 innings. Geo 178. Cease 165. Uh, led the league and games started with 32 and everybody's really bullish on C's uh, for a lot of different reasons. Kopech had a little over 69 innings pitched, uh, obviously out of the bullpen, a few maybe spot starts when they needed some help. Uh, do you see an opportunity, James, where there could be a six man rotation at the beginning of the season, at least? I don't know if they'll do it at the beginning of the season, but I mean, they're going to have to, 
find a way to massage Kopech's innings at some point. Now, the tough part with a six-man rotation is what it does to your top three guys, right? Like, Giolito and Lynn both want to start on four days rest all the time. So it's really tough to do the six-man rotation there. But maybe you give Kopech 10 days off, like, you know, here or there. Now, my fear, and it's not really a fear, it's just, you know, right now, if that were to happen, like, that guy's Ronaldo Lopez, or it's Jimmy Lambert, or... You know, Jason Billis is a guy that I think we'll see this year. You know, he's one of their prospects that's on the 40-man now. But, I mean, like, they got to be able to do better than that. And I know, you you know, you're going to talk about the article a little bit. I mean, I, I think Oakland is the the perfect team to, like, make a deal with. You know, I don't, I don't know if you can get Chris Bassett, who we've had before, obviously. Um, you know, and Montes is pretty expensive. But Sean Manaya makes a lot of sense to me. And I don't know what it's going to cost. And the Sox have the 30th ranked system, but I think you can get Sean Manaya if you want a guy like Sean Manaya. And, you know, I know people would say like, oh, well, then when is he going to start? Like, <laughs> I mean, you can never have enough, enough players, man. And you're, you're not, you're not going to have enough pitching. I mean, you're, you're one injury away from Ronaldo Lopez, like being in your starting rotation to start the year. And he, and he was good last year, mm-hmm. but you know, it's just like not something that I thought we would be talking about <laughs> at this, at this point. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. James, let's shift from the, the starting rotation out to the bullpen and a guy that, you know, was a, a success in terms of the trade last year and Ryan Tapera when he came over and, and came to this club. I don't hear, I don't hear a lot of chatter about Ryan Tapera and wanting him back is the reason for that because we signed Graveman and that kind of relieved uh, Tapera of having a spot on this team, or is he going to be a priority once this lockout is, is concluded? So I sure hope he is like, I've heard conflicting things. Like I've heard from like people on the Tapera side that, you know, the White Sox were an option. And then there were like some White Sox beat writers that were kind of like, they didn't think he was like an option to come back. But I mean, like, yeah, I would, I would trade Kimbrel and sign Tapera. Right. And people have said like, Oh, Tapera or uh, Kendall Graveman, who I think is a good signing is like the Tapera replacement. Like, I think he's the Kimbrel replacement. I just like, I don't see any way that Craig Kimbrell's on the White Sox because, and I don't know what they're going to get. I don't know if that's your second field answer or whether you just clear the money and get prospects. I just like, don't, I don't think it worked and I don't think it's going to work just, you know, for whatever reason, you know? And um, I just, I, I don't know. Rick Hahn doesn't usually go to the microphone and openly talk about the possibility of moving guys, like if they're going to be here. So that was, that was like very telling. I just think with the way that the off season went trades, just like weren't happening because teams were, were trying to, you know, get all their free agents signed. And if you guys noticed, like most of the big market clubs haven't made moves yet mm-hmm. because the competitive balance tax is a big deal. And teams don't, you know, there were certain clubs that wanted to wait to see like what this new agreement looked like before they started making moves. And it's your Texas's and Seattle's of the world that decided like, screw it. Like they're, they're going to spend a ton of money on guys early. And that those are kind of the teams that spent already. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I, I do not see Kimbrell on this team. Um, whenever baseball gets back uh, rolling and we've got actual games, um, you know, I, I, I don't even think it's something that drags out into the season. I just think before the season actually starts, he's gone. I don't know how, I mean that we don't have the answers and I can't even begin to predict where it would be, but that's just my gut. Um, 
I want to spend a little bit of time on Keuchel. Um, you know, you wrote a little bit on, on him in the, in the article for Southside Sox and uh, 34 years old. Uh, this is the last year, right, uh, of this deal. And, you know, he took the ball for the Sox last year. But uh, in your article, you talk about, you know, pitching to contact. And Pat and I have talked about this a lot, and a lot of people have brought it up. Uh, I mean, what changes for Keuchel? How, how do you see, you know, there's the hope of he can have a bounce back year, but what would he need to do? And is there a short leash with a guy like Keuchel, a la, you know, John Danks when he just didn't have it anymore in 2016 in his last year, the contract. I would think so. I mean, look, I, if you told me he bounced back, like I wouldn't think you're crazy. I mean, he might be okay. I mean, he, he doesn't have to be great. He just can't be as terrible as he was last year. I mean, he's going to pitch to contact. His command was bad. He's got to command his, it's like always the answer, right? But he has to command his fastball in order to do anything else. Um, you know, their defensive positioning has to be better. Like whether that's Larusa or whether it's like the analytics department or like Tony's coaches telling him and him not listening. Cause he doesn't want to, like it, it has to get better somehow. Right. And Keiko could be fine. My whole point is like, I don't think you can bank on him being fine. Like, cause he could be done for all we know, you mm -hmm. know? So um, I do think it'll be the last year of the deal. Um, if he's really bad again, I think it is like a James Shields, like mm -hmm. John Dank situation where they just, I don't know if they'll completely cut bait, but like you could just throw them down in the bullpen or whatever, you know, there, there's no way that like they're, and look, the division isn't that good. So maybe that does factor into it, but I mean, they're not just going to like keep letting him take the ball and go two and a third and destroy their bullpen every outing. So yeah, I, I would think with them being as good as they are, it's probably a short leash. Um, but he's a vet. Like if he's, if he's better, I don't think it should surprise that many people. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of trade possibilities in your article and you would just mention that, you know, maybe looking at the athletics would be a, a great uh, spot to go shopping at. But uh, my question is, can they afford to wait until the trade deadline to make an actual move to fulfill any kind of need in their starting rotation and or in their bullpen? Or does it have to be now? Um, They could probably wait, but they're going to need like something right like if you told me they signed like i think i mentioned michael pineda like a guy like like if you sign one more starter that you trust to like throw innings can you get by yeah probably i mean because i really don't think the division's good i i think i think we want them to be challenged a little bit more right but I, i'd be stunned if they're you know not one of the best teams in that league and the best team in their division. So yeah, I mean they could they could definitely afford to wait. Um the bullpen they could definitely. I would sign Tapera. Um but if they just go with their top guys and then a competition amongst a bunch of other guys like Anderson, Severino and you know like a bunch of other guys you bring to camp, like I would completely understand that. Um so, you know, I I think they need cover for Keiko and Kopech. Um, because I don't think you're going to run Kopech into the ground early. So, yes, while I brought up trade possibilities, it doesn't have to be that, but it has to be something. Like, they need at least, like, another body that, you know, is more than just a body, basically. Do you think uh, there's any, like, there's value in, 
I guess to dangle Lambert or Stever. Uh, what what do you what's the sacks mentality on those guys? Like in a trade? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think Oakland makes like weird trades, right? So I mean, like Shaw is owed like nine million or something, I believe. You know, like if that was like one of Sheets or Berger and like Lambert and like one of your prospects, like I think that's I think that makes sense, like as an Oakland trade because Oakland does weird stuff. You know, like Jimmy Lambert's twenty seven. Um, he looked pretty good last year. I just still don't know what he is. Like he's never going to be a full time starter for the Sox because like they don't need him to be. Like they're too good. But he could he could throw one hundred and fifty innings for Oakland or Pittsburgh or somebody. So yeah, I think so. Stevers hurt, so I would probably not even like think about him. I mean, he tore his lat late in the year mm-hmm. at Charlotte, so he'll be back, but um, it'll be a little bit later than that. That's the other thing. Like you know, like you see the wacky trades online and stuff, and it's like <laughs> you know, like I'm at Future Socks, and we'll talk about prospects, and I think. For the 30th ranked system, there's prospects in it. There's interesting guys. But, like, they can't, like, I mentioned the Reds. Like, I don't even know if they could get Sonny Gray. You know, Mm -hmm. like, I I don't know. I don't know if they could. Like, it just depends on what certain teams think about your young players, right? So Exactly. It's, like, not going to be super easy for them. It's not like they can, they're not the Dodgers. They can just go get whatever they want. You know, so yeah. I do think they have enough, though. Kenny Williams is he's he's traded from bad farm systems to get what he's wanted before. So <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's switch a little bit to prospects. You do a lot of work with future socks and who are guys who are names that, uh, you know, socks fans should be should be kind of keeping ears and eyes out for, uh, you know, in, in this season. So, you know, the system's pretty young. So as far as like guys that they could see, I mean, it's guys they've probably heard of. Like we mentioned Lambert. I think Jason Billis is interesting. He was added to the 40 man. So he's a potential like back end starter type. Um, as far as like, like Romy Gonzalez was, he was a big riser last year. He could be on the opening day roster. I think I personally like thought Romy could be the new Larry. And then they signed Larry anyway, because Tony has to have his blanket, <laughs> but um you know, and then Gilbert Sanchez could make it to the majors this year too. Um, he was a two and a half million dollar signing out of Cuba, was billed as like a glove first, like probable utility guy, and he's actually hit pretty well. So that's a guy you could see soon. Um, you know, the the older Cubans are interesting. They have Cespedes, you know, who is in minor league camp right now. They have Colas, who they just signed. And then I think Norhe Vera is like going to be the story of the minor league system this year, just because he's pumped it up close to 100 as a Cuban right-hander. Um, and then the, the best prospect in the system is Colson Montgomery. He was their first rounder last year. Um, I think he's a no doubt shortstop at 6'4. He, you know, like numbers in the first year like don't really matter. But he, you know, he had an on-base percentage close to 400 in rookie ball. Didn't really hit for much power yet, but but should. So that's, you know, that's probably the guy to follow him and the, um, the young Cubans. And then, you know, they still have the trio of prep righties that they drafted over the last couple of years of, they've really struggled, but you know, 2020 messed with a lot of guys. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's just a big year for a lot of guys. It's the 30th ranked system, but they could be 20 to 25 
at this time next year, you know, if a couple of guys like yeah. really pop like that, yeah. there were years the Sox had the 30th ranked system and like Addison Reed was their top prospect. I mean, that's, you know, that's not now this is they're 30 for the, for the right reasons. Um, but they can't stay 30 if they want to sustain this thing. So James, let's, let's talk about these young guys in a, in a different vein here. We're in, uh, we're currently still in this lockout and a lot of the conversation has to do with these young players, service time, all the stuff that these guys will experience uh, as they get in the league. So my question to you is, you know, as, as we're in this week of a lot of volume in terms of meetings and dates and this deadline of Friday and getting the season started on time, if they can get something done, where is your hope level? Where, where is your optimism at right now with something getting done by the end of the week? So, I mean, I've always been pretty optimistic that the season would start on time, uh, maybe because I'm an idiot, but, um, <laughs> and just, but no, I just like, I, I really don't think either side wants to like miss games. I mean, I think like, look, they did the 60 game thing out of necessity. There weren't fans in stands. You know, I, I think that one of the big chips for the players and they used it. I mean, talking about expanded playoffs, the owners have to have expanded playoffs. They have to, because it's a ton of money for them. And the players basically saying like, okay, well, you're not getting expanded playoffs unless we play 162. That got me a little optimistic for this week. As far as I can see it, like if, if like if you look at what the players are asking for, it's like not much. I mean, if you raise the minimum salary significantly, you know, put the competitive balance tax number, which these teams have used as a salary cap, you know, in that 230 to $245 million range, um, they've already agreed for like, um, you don't have to give up compensation for free agents anymore. And they've agreed on the draft stuff, you know, so like, it's really not that much. And, you know, and the owners are going to make a ton off expanded playoffs and off Jersey patches or whatever they're going to mm -hmm. do like fine, you know? So, I mean, dude, this is like eight or nine small market owners that are holding this whole thing up. And in my piece, you know, I wrote like, you know, it's the owners against the owners against the players because mm -hmm. it is. And I actually think it's more owner versus owner at this point because, you know, you just have some guys that just refuse to spend money at all. And it's, you know, your Pittsburgh and Oakland and Tampa. And you guys know, you guys know yep. what teams. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's the Seelig rule. They put in, I think they need, they need 23 votes out of 30 to pass anything. So, you know, I don't want to be the defend rob manfred guy um and somebody asked like i think i saw i think herb lawrence put a poll up that it's like who's the worst sports commissioner that's obviously manfred right but yeah. like but it, i think it would be whoever the baseball commissioner is yeah because it's such it's just hard like you it's not like the other sports like he can't if he knows that he only has 20 votes like he's not even going to take that back to the group so he's like a conduit for these dudes that just like treat this thing like a business. So we'll see. I mean, they got to get them to move. Like the, so, lux the luxury tax has to, has to move and the penalties can't be what they are or like this thing's not going to get done. So hopefully, you know, even if it's early next week, they're probably fine. So you know? just a real quick follow-up then do, do the, the bigger market teams ever put the pressure on the smaller market teams to get things done or do they kind of stay in their own lane? 
Well, I think they will like towards the end here mm-hmm. because I think they're going to like need this stuff done. Right. I mean, the big market teams like want to spend whatever they want. The problem is the small market teams don't want to spend, but they also don't want the big market teams to spend like $260 million and then take Francisco Lindor from them. You know, I mean, that's where like, you know, the salary floor like kind of makes a little bit of sense, but honestly, like the, the small market teams would abuse that too. Nick, I think you and I talked about that. I mean, that would just be like, if you put the floor in right now, Pittsburgh could trade for Dallas Keuchel and, Justin Upton and still be terrible and be at the floor. Like I don't, I don't equate spending with winning because it's just not, it's, it's kind of a fallacy. So So it's how you do it. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think, I think it gets done because it has to get done. Um, But I've been on the optimistic side. Like I, this, you can't even really read into anything this week. Like it's, you know, like you got to take a look. I would say Monday's the 28th. You know, like March 1st, like, yeah, that, I mean, you're getting into where it's like going to be tough, but I th- as long as it's next week, um, we're probably fine. Uh, we, let's see if we can get you for a couple more minutes, because I want your right field and second base uh, takes if you'll give them. Uh, last week, we talked with Jordan Lazowski, huge and Michael Conforto, as you probably know, he he convinced Pat and I to really get behind Michael Conforto. Pat was a little still on Castellanos. Uh, your thoughts on on right field? Where, where did the Sox do? Because it's not Vaughn and Sheets as you've mentioned, and I agree with you. Yeah, I think Conforto makes sense. I think he makes a lot of sense. He's twenty eight. The defense is you know fine to good, but I mean it's a left handed run producer that walks a ton. I like Cassiano's bat. I just think with your roster, it's so hard. Like I I just look if they sign Nick Cassiano's the first day after the lockout. Like I'm going to be in Pat's DMS, like as excited as he is, (laughs) but, but once you look at the actual team, it's like, Oh my God, like you're going to do this to Luis Robert. Like you're, you really like, this is, this is what you're going to do to this kid with Eloy in one corner and Nick Castellanos in the other corner. And you know, like it's just, it's just tough, right? Like if Eloy Jimenez wasn't on this team and I'm glad he is, you know, Andrew Vaughn wasn't your top prospect and it was, like a middle infielder instead, then yeah, then it makes a lot more sense. I just like think it's tough. Um, I like that Conforto is a left-handed bat that can play in the corner. I also like that, you know, for me, and people are going to get mad at me, but like if you put Conforto in right field, I think you can trade Gavin Sheets for pitching. Um, I, I'm I li- not going to get mad at you at that. that no, but there's a, there's a lot of Gavin Sheets people. And look, yeah. I like I like Gavin Sheets. Like it, he was, he was good. Um, I think he's, probably like Mitch Moreland, which, you know, I think he's going to hit righties in the majors for a long time, you yeah. know, but I think he's probably a first baseman and they just, they have so many of them. And if you mm-hmm. can cash that in for pitching now, I'd, I'd probably do it. So, you know, I just think it opens up other possibilities for you. And I don't think it's going to be that expensive. I mean, what's if Michael Conforto's four years at 80 something, that's like right in their wheel. Like they should be able to, if that's the guy they want, like yes. they should, they should be able to make deals like this. Like, yeah. it, you know, that's like, right. You're not going over a hundred million. So, you know, and if you like yeah. the, the Castellanos idea, you know, if you'd prefer Castellanos, I would say just sign Kyle Schwarber. 
Yeah, uh, I I like your man. You're the mentality of if you if you got somebody in the crosshairs and you want them, go get them. Just just get them and and end it. Finish this. Uh, so la last one for me. Uh, it'll be second base. If it's not Leori Garcia starting at second base, who is starting at second base for the Sox, James? Um, it's it's a damn good question, man. So <laughs> we had so we had James Fegan on on the Future Sox pod, um, like right before um, the lockout, and he said on there that we, you know, they had a bunch of intel at the Athletic to the point where he was even like getting ready to write that the White Sox were close to a deal with Eduardo Escobar, mm. which. I think everybody, we all just would have been like, oh yeah, okay, that makes mm -hmm, sense, because mm -hmm. like, we thought they were going to get him in the regular season. And then once that didn't happen, it was kind of like weird, you know, because then they they did the the Leary thing, but then they were quick to say like, oh no, like he's still in his utility role. There's not much on the free agent market, mm -hmm, obviously, yeah. and and they didn't go all in for like a Simeon. I wouldn't be surprised if that guy's here like via trade. I mean, obviously there were um the rumors with philly yeah. i don't i don't know how real those are but i mean look kimbrell's probably gonna move um so if you end up with a second baseman in that deal um i wouldn't be surprised um you know talking about oakland i'm gonna in my in the article that i do i'm gonna bring up tony kemp like he was really okay. good last year so i mean like if you can get tony kemp like in that deal you know and he faces righties and then you use somebody else. Like I said, Romy, you know, I like Romy Gonzalez. I don't think he can be your starting second baseman, but he can be an option there. I'm very curious to see if they try to play Vaughn or Berger there. Um, I, I, I think with all the shifting and stuff, like I think it's possible. I just don't know if it's possible on this team with this manager, if that makes sense. You know, like if you told me that Andrew Vaughn was playing second base for the Dodgers, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that, you know, they just shift around it and, you know, they get 35 homer production out of second base because they're, they're great at this. But I just like don't really trust the White Sox to be able to pull off something like that, you know, and then maybe, you know, like a team like Texas um, has Nick Solak. He's like a local guy, doesn't really do a ton for me, but I mean, like, you know, there, there's just guys like that all over the place that could end up being your second baseman. So I yeah. don't think, I don't think their plan for second base is Larry Garcia or Romy Gonzalez. Um, but I don't have a great answer either, but I will mm -hmm. say that I'm much more concerned about right field and starting pitching because I just think like, you're not going to be great everywhere. So like, if you put Michael Conforto in right field and get another pitcher, like, you know, I think second base, like you just hope that Jose Rodriguez hits at double A and he's ready soon, basically, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, well, James, you know, this has been fantastic. We really appreciate the time and you being so generous with it. Uh, I'll get you out. We'll get you out in this last one. Uh, you seem pretty optimistic. There's going to be a lot of activity and there's going to be a flurry of activity, especially for the Sox when, uh, when this lockout is over. So in, in terms of what the Sox need and what we're looking for, and you've talked about a lot what is the first chip to fall what is the first move that you see that's the most realistic move that they make i think kimbrel goes first like i said i don't know i don't know what it's going to be you know i mean like the the thing to philly was what gene segura if that happened i'd be like okay well there's your second baseman but that's like an even money swap so mm -hmm. i think it just kind of depends on what reinsdorf's going to let them spend 
I mean, I've heard they're going to spend. I just, I don't think that means, you know, their payroll is not going to be 240, right? But it might be close to 200 million because it's 170 something now. So, you know, if that's you dump Kimbrel for prospects, then spend money. I think Kimbrel happens first. Um, But the outfield market's going to, it has to move because there's, like, I don't think Chris Bryant is necessarily an option, right? But you got Chris Bryant, Castellanos, Schwarber, Conforto are all like on the market still. You have the Seiya Suzuki, the Japanese uh, guy that's coming over. You got him. And then underneath them, you got all sorts of, you know, you have Soler and Eddie Rosario and Jack Peterson and all. So like the outfield market hasn't moved at all. Um, so I would think that would move very quickly. Supposedly these teams haven't been talking this whole time. Um I don't think any of the three of us really, really buy that. I don't, you know, I don't think they're, you know, like text. I'd love to see Rick Hans text messages from the last couple of months. I'd probably actually pay money to see it. It'd be interesting. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, like, so I, I, I would bet on Kimbrell going first because I think they probably had those talks already. Teams just weren't ready to consummate something, you know, obviously, you know, so but then, but then I think the outfield market moves pretty quick, and then they probably wait on second base. Uh, man, awesome stuff! Thank you so much for being generous with your time, James. Oh yeah, no problem. Anytime, guys. Uh, what's uh, what's the next article coming out then? What what else you got working on? All right, so like we've talked about, I have a 15 month old son, um, so I'm working <laughs> on like an outfield piece that's similar to the starting pitching one. Hopefully within the next 48 hours it'll post, but you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, so, and then hopefully, and then I'm going to do a second base one too, but hopefully we have a deal by then. And then maybe I'll pivot, I'll pivot a little bit. Okay. All on Southside socks. Yeah. on Southside socks. Yeah. And then for future socks, we, we're, uh, we're actually doing a Twitter spaces Thursday night, um, with all of our writers to try to hammer out the top 30 prospects list. And then that'll be out within the next couple weeks too we're trying to plan our our launch of that just because it's super weird with the lockout going on so yeah well we appreciate the content it's awesome stuff and uh i'm so glad you were able to come on and talk with us buddy all righty guys thanks for having me all right thanks thanks, james James. always a pleasure talking to james fox from uh, future socks and Southside socks Uh, really nice of him to uh, give us so much of his time to talk white socks in late February during a lockout, um, he's writing some great stuff. So I'm, I'm glad we were able to actually have him on and talk about it. Yeah, Foxy's fantastic. And we talked about it before we jumped on how much we enjoy having people on that are that are smart, knowledgeable, and have realistic possibilities for us to watch out for. And in his last article, obviously, led a lot of possibilities in terms of trades or free agents, how to fill some holes specifically on the mound and then be on the lookout for his next article. When he, when he starts to address, you know, he's, he even mentioned DH, which I thought was interesting. So be on the lookout for that because in my mind, your, your DH is Andrew Vaughn, but DH right field second base will be, will be addressed soon by Foxy. Yeah. Find him on social media and, uh, and you can check out his articles. Uh, he does a great job. Um, you know, we're talking pitching, especially starting pitching, uh, you, you know, it's a concern of mine, Pat. Uh, and I really, you know, as, as James wrote about it and you and I have talked about it and it, it's kind of obvious, you know, with all the injuries that the Sox had last year in the 2021 season, pitching got us through that. 
pitching yeah. carried us. I mean, mm -hmm. and guys went to the bump. I mean, Cease leading the league with 32 games started, 165 innings. Uh, Geo, 178 innings. I mean, Keiko with 162 innings. I just don't, I don't know why I tend to, he's 34. Uh, he, he seemed pretty healthy last year. Lynn was the one that had some, some issues, you know, some back yeah. issues. Uh, I worry about both of those guys. You yeah. know, you, you, you think that they can get themselves right and they'll be back. Um, but for some reason, Keiko's a guy that I just can't believe in to have a mm. bounce back. And I feel like he's a guy that has a short hook and, and you just, you cut, you have to cut it. And I know you're cutting a lot of money there. Um, and it may, you know, it's, it's not ideal, but you can't afford to be given the ball to him when he's giving you nothing in return. Yeah. Well, Nick, you're, you're a professional teacher of young minds and an educator. So you do a lot of testing and grading of things, I'm sure, or you have someone do it for you. You pay people to do that. I'm sure on the side, mm -hmm, sure. what, what, what is going to be acceptable for you uh, in terms of Dallas Heichel this year, in terms of let's say innings and let's say, you know, an ERA, this, we'll, we're simple people here. You and I, we're not, uh, we're not the, uh, the ad wizards that most people are out there. So that's what's acceptable for you in terms of a Dallas Keiko in terms of innings and an ERA because innings well, was good last year. He had a lot of innings. As, as you mentioned, he ERA had a up over five. Yeah. Over five, close to five, three ERA. I mean, I, what's reasonable for, for him? I mean, if he can no, have what's not reasonable, it's acceptable. So what's going to make four make, yeah. Uh, I mean, what's, what's around hovering around four, okay. you know, I mean, if you, if can you live could, with a four ERA, I, I can, and I, I, I gotta have him, you know, not getting into trouble early. I mean, there were, there were some games where he just got into trouble so damn early. And if he can get consistently, you know, at least into the fifth without a lot of issues. Cause I, I think we're going to have a pretty solid bullpen. I think there's going to be some, some changes made, some deals made uh, to bolster that it's, it's good. It's gotta be, it's gotta be better. Um, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's going to be getting into the sixth or seventh or flirting with that. Um, not a lot of guys are these days, mm -hmm. um, but the three innings and out um, four innings, getting in trouble in the fourth, uh, or when that second time through the lineup comes through, that that's that's a problem. You know, when yeah. he's getting paper cut it to death because he's pitching to contact too many times. You know, he's walking guys, and then there's then there's a double, and and here we go. We're in a hole early on. I've been to too many of those games. Uh, yeah. You know, folks have watched those games. Um, something has to change, and 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 we've talked like out pitches. You know, mixing up things. You know. It, taking a page out of Burley's book of just keeping guys off balance more and, and, and getting those strikes early, you know, mm. um, I, easier said than done. I mean, what about you? I mean, what do you think about for, for him? Is there, is there a, like, okay, we've seen enough kind of moment. I, I don't think so because we saw, we saw what we would hope to see in 2020. And I, I reference that all the time, you know, the Dallas Keuchel of 2020 now, again, in the, in the shortened, uh, season that we had was was fantastic. Can he be all the way that guy again? I think he had a, a for most of the year a, a a two and a half ERA something like that. I can't remember exactly where it landed, but he was a he was more than a serviceable pitcher in 2020. He 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 might have been in the Cy Young conversation. So, so uh, let's let's talk about him now in terms of what he he realistically could be. 
I, I would I would be happy with what you said, a, a four ERA guy. You know, like uh, let's let's log the same uh, inning count that he had this past year. What it was at 162. 162. I, I'll take a one sixty to one seventy in terms of innings, and I, and Oof. shave off a shave off a, a run and a half off the ERA, and I think that's that's oh if he I could do that. Doable. I mean, I that, that's doable. I, I just don't think you're going to get that from him. That would be I, them, and that would be ideal. That'd be that would be great. Yeah. Um, I just don't, you know, I don't see it. You, you're losing 132 innings from Rodon and, uh, you know, Kopech, he's going to be monitored, man. Mm -hmm. He's going to be monitored closely. So when I think about a six man rotation and you, you've got Lynn, GOCs, Kopech, Keuchel, you know, do, do you bring in, uh, Lopez, you know, to, to kind of help with that maybe early in the season, you know, the weather's not ideal, Everybody's still getting their footing. Uh, but to James's point, you know, then then those guys at the top of the rotation are losing starts and they want those starts. Or, or yeah. is it a or is it a situation that and I don't remember we 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 talked to James a lot off air. Uh, and I can't remember if this was on air or off air, but you know, talking about crochet and where he fits into this and he him fitting into that old Michael Kopech role and doing the spot start. So maybe it's a a crochet stepping in. And doing the spot starts, doing like a two, three inning spot start, and then it's a bullpen day. Give Kopech, you know, a week in between starts to kind of stretch it out that way. And then you're kind of uh, fulfilling two possible needs. You're giving Kopech some time to recover, and you're stretching out a Crochet for maybe 2023 becoming a starting pitcher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we're all excited for Kopech, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 25 years old, this guy, what we saw last year, electric, uh, we want to see him in that starting role, but you know, it, it's a marathon, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, he's going to be under the microscope for, for every start. Uh, you want him to be healthy because you also want him to be valuable to you in September and October, namely, yeah. um, and, those are going to be some interesting things that we'll be watching and I'm going to be listening for the plan once spring training hopefully starts up soon. Um, I'm with James on, uh, they are going to be bringing in folks. I, I think money's going to be spent uh, as soon as the green lights given. Um, I think pitching it, it definitely bringing in some pitching. I, I don't mind his idea with, with Bassett from Oakland. I think Oakland could be a partner. Um, you know, it, it's the trade game with the Sox. They they love to do it, and and I think the Sox have some guys they can dangle um, in, in those needs. Uh, I, I agree with Kimbrel, um, and but I I think that they're going to take care of right field quick. Hmm. I, I almost think right field's going to be done quickly. Mm -hmm. maybe, maybe the first thing, you know. Well, it, 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 there's the most opportunity out there with with obviously the the market that is right field, so. That makes a lot of sense that, okay, we know this is a need. We've been looking at this opportunity for a long time here and they're having, they're having these back channel mm -hmm, conversations. Mm -hmm. There's, there is an intern meeting with another intern at, you know, Bobby's tap uh, in Joliet having these conversations. So, so off the beaten path, we're going yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, you, you got to go somewhere where, where the problem with that mean. place, Pat, and I love that you're going off the beaten path to Bobby's is it is the size of a bathroom at Sox Park. And if you, <laughs> you, you've got to be 
like Goodfellas in it or Casino. You've got to be holding, you know, hands over the mouth, talking in code. Because mm-hmm. anything you say in that small little dwelling, you're going to hear all over the place. Yeah. Uh, you know. Well, you know, there's a lot of distractions going on in that place too. Yeah. Well, there's the, you know, <laughs> there's there's things happening behind the bar that are that sure. are unfolding. Sure. And uh, apparatuses that are being thrown around. Mm-hmm. So there you are. Uh, that's I think that's a great place. But yeah, maybe mm-hmm. there's some covering of the mouth. You know, a la you know the when Jerry was dating the the woman with the hearing problem. Oh, sure, of course. Him and George were talking, and they're eating popcorn, and they've got yeah, the, you know, yeah. You could yeah. do that. Why not? Yeah, something's being something's being said. Uh, uh, I'm feeling good about you know this week, and and you know I I don't know maybe this won't age well, but the fact that they're going to meet for a third time, and maybe they'll meet for a fourth time, uh, quality over quantity, the other way around. Um, I, I I do think you know it's it's the owners know that to get that expanded playoff, there's going to have to be 162. So we are going to meet because we want this to be figured out. We want 162. You've looked at this play playoff format, this rumored format. Uh, it seems to be, you know, possibly set. Seven playoff teams per league. A team with the best record gets a bye and goes to the divisional series. Top remaining division winner picks opponent from the four wild card teams and plays best of three all games at home. And then the third division winner does the same. Okay. You know, say what you will about more playoff teams. Does it water it down? What's the incentive? Uh, what what strikes me, and, and this has been floated for a while, um, is top remaining division winner uh, picks opponent from the four wildcard teams. How is this uh, achieved? You know, is this a player vote? Does Jerry Reinsdorf have the final say? Is it a meeting of the minds with Kenny Han and Jerry, does what's Larusa have to say about this? Are there scouts involved? Should mm. it be a fan vote, Pat? How will you come to the agreements on this is the team? And and when you do choose that team, that's bulletin board material for that team. Yeah, yeah, it's a very interesting concept uh, that that's being discussed and 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 and, and be put into play, but. You know, I would have you to like imagine, it, Pat. Are you excited? I, about I don't that? know if I like it because I'm with you, like the bulletin board material. But then, but then we're also assuming that we're not uh, oh, the wild card team. So let's let's step back a little bit, Nick. Let's say we're we're not the team that we you know mm. we're, we're not the favorite to win the division, and and we're on the outside looking in maybe as a wild card team, and and we're the ones that get chosen. Is that does that get your marbles hot? in terms of getting you excited to, to, to get up for a, a team and, and put the, that stuff on the bulletin board. Well, sure. But I'm the fact that you're even questioning us being a wild. I'm not questioning. Not, it See, sounds like you're, you're listening to me again. It's like, I, you know, it's, I, I say something in a hypothetical, uh, I, I'm putting you in a hypothetical situation. Uh, sure. Okay. Okay. Can you, uh, of can course, you divorce yourself. That I, <laughs> of course, I've I've thought this team is not going to win the division. Yes. All right. I won't hold you to that. Uh, a hypothetical. Uh, of course, that's that's momentum that gets that gets the fan base riled up. It's like, how dare you point the finger at us and think that mm-hmm. we're a weaker team? You know, uh, you'd be seeing red, um, and it could make for good drama. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it could definitely make for good TV. You know, David and Goliath stories and, you know, all of the, 
you know, the lead up to that game and the drama of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I like that there's going to be more teams. Playoffs are, are, are fun. Um, I, I want there to be incentives and I, I just find it to be a little odd, uh, how this is going to go down with picking a team. I just want to know if there will be at all ever, um, clarity and transparency over how a team was picked. If someone yeah. will really stand up and say it was my decision or uh, they have to make it a rule, you know, does it, if that, does it have to be, this is the person that chooses. You have one person to choose. It has to be written into, into a rule somewhere. That's that's, I don't know. It's not like survivor. Me. I don't think like uh, Manfred's we'll going to be a rule like, then <laughs> we'll make it a rule. All right, sir. Um, when you come up with the team, you must write it in a note <laughs> and through social media, you must uh, tell the world and the person who made the choice has to be yeah. holding the card. I think uh, it's also interesting, Nick, too. It's like with this expanded playoffs, we're, I mean, how long are we going to be playing into the, into November now? I mean, because we're already pushing Halloween if everything goes to yeah. the seventh game of the World Series. Yeah. So now we're in November. Pat, with climate change, uh, th things are, you know, it's warm still. Oh, it's, uh, it's be warm. Beautiful all yeah. the time. Yeah. But you I, got you got the football folks that are going to be all in a lather. Because do you, do you really think the NFL cares about? No, no, no. I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not talking about uh, the NFL as an organization. I'm talking about fans that are going to be all, you know, uh, aggravated that they're going to have to divide their time between baseball and, and the NFL. Well, you know, what? if you if we've learned nothing from being uh, on Twitter, Nick, you know, people are aggravated anyway. You could say it's, you know, there's not a cloud in the sky and someone will argue that they just saw a cloud. So, yeah, sure. You know, I understand. We're going to be aggravated regardless. I understand. So let's not even go down uh, that road. Um, uh, one thing that we did see uh, that started getting people uh, a little riled up and, uh, you know, good, bad. But, hey, we're talking about something here. Uh, they released the uh, spring training hats. Did you see this? Uh, this I did concept see that. For the, what'd you think of that design? I like that hat. That, that, I'm, I'm a hat guy. I don't buy as many as I'd like to buy, but I like that. Mm -hmm. That was a good looking hat. I felt I like, like that was up your alley. Huh? I, I thought that was up your alley because I thought that was a design you've always favored. I do favor uh, that design, and I, and I like that as a throwback better than the current 83 throwback. I wish they do that as their throwback alternate Sunday jersey. The, that would be cool in my book. I like it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. You I, like the trucker style? The, uh, I the have mesh. a trucker hat on now, Nick. I mean, okay. look at that. That's yeah. fashionable. Yeah, I can do that. Sometimes trucker hats ride a little high, almost like a conductor would wear. Like, remember when Frank <laughs> Thomas, when, when Frank Thomas first came in the league and he was wearing his high hat? Um, yeah. It was a bit of like a. Well, it was a style at the time. <laughs> it was a style. It was something. Yeah. It really was something. And, uh, I, I like the low profile, a little closer to the skull, a little, little yeah. push down, well, a little, yeah, it's bit, a little be form like fitting, a little form head, fitting. Like, That's my Viper I, sunglasses. I just, <laughs> just, I hope they bring the Vipers back. I hope Viper strikes a deal with MLB, and that's the official sunglasses of. Uh, they wrap around your head. <laughs> I just hope that they're not looking to go high hat with these. With these, I mean, uh, the target audience is fifty-five. That's true. Plus. That's get true. Hat, get some that's vipers, true. new balance, uh, strike it rich. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're all set here. Um, 
So are you going to get one? Are you? Are of course. You I, I, I will, I will you know, I, I'm always like, you know, when the new design comes out, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I sit on it for a couple hours and I'm like, who am I kidding? A you know, they, you know, you they gonna, could be wearing a freaking burlap sack on their head with a sock symbol on it. And I'd be like, well, okay, take my money. Just shut up. Just take my money. Here comes Nick. <laughs> Here comes Nick. We knew he'd get him with another coming. design. With another design. Here he is. Um, Here, putting well, my kid through college. Exactly. Um, hopefully, when we get to uh, the Rock Island Public House uh, on March 10th, there is a deal done, Pat. And uh, uh, we're doing live trivia in person mm-hmm. uh, with with baseball like on the precipice um because yeah. it's going to be we got a fun event coming up and it would be a, a damn shame it's going to be fun but it'd be a damn shame if uh, we were talking about more of like missing games so the hope is that everything aligns they get this deal done very soon and when we get into rock island public house march 10th and the 24th to do live white Sox trivia it's really a true lead up uh, to opening yeah. day yeah and i'm looking forward to that nick you're you're obviously pouring over media guides and coming up with great questions and looking forward to just sitting next to you and and uh being the mc coast uh co mc for this event it's going to mm-hmm. be great Looking forward to meeting a lot of our great fans and listeners and and uh, give away some great stuff for the night. And, I, you know, it's weird, though, when when I, as I've been consuming some um, media over the past week in terms of, you know, talking about the lockout, you, you hear like a lot of like con- conflicting reports. You know, I, I, I was listening to a Connor McKnight who hosts, uh, you know, White Sox Weekly and does a pre and post on ESPN 1000. And and Connor's thought was you know, he's more optimistic that things will get done this week because of the fact that now like the Yankees are, are getting involved and the, and the smaller market teams have kind of hammed it up for a little bit, but now it's like, okay, Yankees are here. It's time to get serious mm-hmm. and let's get some stuff done. The big market teams are going to kind of throw their weight around a little bit. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. But then you see, you know, the tweets by a, a Jesse Rogers also of ESPN 1000 and, and the, uh, you know, they're still miles apart. You know, they're, they're, they're asking, the players are asking for this and, and the owners come and go, well, we'll, we'll add another 5 million. I know you wanted 120, mm. but we're, we're, we're willing to go 5 million. So that's not really a negotiation. That's a, that's nothing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's uh, I wish I was, you know, fly on the wall. Um, I, I find a lot of uh, comfort in the fact that they're going to be meeting for a third day in a row and, and maybe it's a fourth. And where was this a while ago? And 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 you you've been saying it for a while, you know, until things got a little scary and until uh, things got kind of almost to that uh you know, that 11th hour, um, we might not see developments. And, mm-hmm. and here we are. Uh, okay, you want expanded playoffs? Well, we as players, there's got to be 162 games. Okay, well, let's start meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start meeting quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. And and uh, hearing that there's maybe February 28th, maybe March 1st is kind of a deadline um, uh, before we start talking about losing games. I mean, this is the week. Yeah. Uh, this This is the week. Hopefully the next time we talk, uh, and record an episode, um, something is figured out. That would be, that would be pretty cool. 
Yeah, that'd be fun. And 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 maybe, you know, if something breaks, Nick, maybe we have to have an emergency. Always maybe have a, a flurry of activity. We might have to have like an emergency podcast. Oh, I'm ready for it. I've cleared out uh, a lot of my uh, evening to do's. Um, and, uh, and what are those exactly, Nick? What, what have you, what <laughs> schedule have you cleared currently? Well, you know, I'm catching up on a lot of the Batman uh, movies because oh, uh, we're up for the movie. Uh, we, I, which yeah. You got our tickets for. Thank you very much. Yep. $20, so yeah. dollars. Yeah. We, uh, you know, we, we've got the Batman coming out in uh, almost two weeks. So I'm, I'm just trying to get, you know, I'm making sure I can kind of piece everything together from some of the previous uh, renditions of the Batman and, um, you know, who did what, when and, and all that kind of sequencing and directors. And so. Uh, I've got a lot of that's I, being put on hold. That's being were, put on hold in case. Correct. That's on hold now. Yeah, in case I know that was taking up a lot of your time. I know. Batman well, research is like. Well, Batman. you know me. I'm pouring through some of the comic books, and you know I've got a bunch of different you know flow charts and things. So uh, you got to analyze the the mobiles, the Batmobiles. Um, <laughs> it's a whole thing. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> folks, we we mentioned it a couple of minutes ago, uh, but as we've been teasing and, and talking about, we will be live in person at the Rock Island Public House uh, in Blue Island Thursday, March 10th and Thursday, March 24th uh, for live White Sox trivia. It starts at 7 p.m. Got a lot of stuff to give away. We've got some brand new T-shirts that are um, on their way. And going to be having those for purchase. Uh, very excited uh, for that. Uh, you can find all this information on the Rock Island Public House website. We've been uh, teasing it on our social media accounts as well. Uh, you can play solo. You can play as a team. Uh, but we're really hoping this becomes a, a partnership with Rock Island. And we could do some uh, episodes uh, at the bar. Do some uh, pregame parties there. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful establishment on the south side. Very sock centric, Pat. Yeah, looking forward to it, Nick. And and I can't wait to hear you know when you getting it back to it. The breakdown of Batmobiles uh, <laughs> because I really I'm excited to uh, get yeah. that breakdown and the uh, rankings. So, sure. but I know you got to you got to step away just in case there's breaking yeah. news. So I get that. Yeah, I'm flexible. Totally I'm very flexible. Uh, uh, we're on social media, folks, uh, as hopefully you have found out uh, on Twitter at Good Guys TV. Uh, we've got a Facebook fan page. Um, find James Fox, too, on, on Twitter. He has got some great stuff that he's always churning out. Uh, he's with Southside Socks and Future Socks. We thank him so much for letting us uh, talk socks with him. Uh, you know, it seems like nothing's going on, but really there's a lot of wonderful stuff being uh, uh, written and, and talked about, and, and there's always good socks content uh, if you know where to find it. So uh, th thanks to him for letting us steal some of his time. And thank you folks for tuning in once again. You can find this podcast everywhere you find your podcasts. Simply subscribe and every new episode heads into that inbox. Uh, pass it along to other Sox fans in your life, and hopefully these conversations continue. Uh, Pat, always a pleasure, buddy. Yeah, I can't wait to do the next one, episode 160. Can't yeah. believe we've done 160 of these puppies, yeah. but uh this is fantastic looking forward to it and, and like you said hopefully we're talking about uh, the end of the lockout and the beginning of a new year that's the hope my friend uh for pat hester i am nick murowski until next time go socks